Hey everybody, and welcome to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. And as always, we're here with you every throwback Thursday for marking out the days. It's me, one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and as always, I'm joined with the mayor of Kicking Out at Two, the retrosexual Dave Rosenbluth. Dave, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for uh, thanks for the warm introduction. Uh, before we get into exchanging pleasantries, I do want to apologize to our listeners. Um, some technical difficulties on my end had delayed the March 14th episode of Marking Out the Days. However, um, I am pleased to announce that not only will you get to listen to this episode, but you will also get to binge on Marking Out the Days and listen to the March 14th episode as it drops today. So, uh, my apologies. There were some technical issues. I am not very tech savvy. I will be honest with you. I could turn the microphone on. I could hit the record button. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm learning as I'm going along doing this whole podcasting thing. So uh, I do want to apologize to all of you that, that faithfully listen each and every Throwback Thursday. I apologize. Hopefully with this little mini binge, we can uh, we can get you caught up on what's going on in the world of professional wrestling history. Yes, indeed. And no need to apologize, Dave. Uh, I mean, you and I have real lives here, and we're hosting a free podcast that every Throwback Thursday, we run down the pro wrestling events of that day that are infamous or famous, you know, um, what we love or don't love so much. And we do it all in less than two hours. And that's a free podcast. So nobody should be complaining at all. No, they shouldn't. Oh. But you know, you know, the people that do listen to us, I like to, you know, um, you know, th- their listens are important, whether it's free or not. You know what I mean? Their yes. their time is important, at least for me. I, that's how I. That's kind of the motto I've I've uh, adopted with kicking out it too. So, like I said, you know, want to just throw it out there once again. My apologies, and hopefully we don't go through this technical snafu. Uh, yet again in the very near future but you know i appreciate the uh i i appreciate the uh the, the vote of confidence in you my man no problem and i've had it happen to myself as well so uh we all we all go through that with our podcast struggles as we are building the foundation for pxw podcasting extreme there you go wrestling yeah i don't know <laughs> NXT. I was trying to tie it in with NXT. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. All right. Um, yeah. So, what's going on with you over in Kicking Out at Two Land uh, last week, this week, and next week? Uh, well, last week we had our WrestleMania MVPs Part 1 covering WrestleMania's 1 through 17 from 1985 to 2001. This week we dropped. A special watch party edition of Kicking Out at Two is we're going to be watching from beginning to end WrestleMania 10 as we have reached the silver anniversary, 25 years to the date. Uh, WrestleMania 10 took place on March the 20th, 1994. So Jamie Garabini and I, we sat down in his man cave and we uh, we recorded this special podcast. He's a big Bret Hart guy and this is one of his favorite WrestleManias. So him and I got to chop it up and watch WrestleMania 10. So make sure all you have your WWE network ready to go so that you can watch WrestleMania 10 with us. Hit the mute button, of course, because you're going to want to listen to the alternate commentary as opposed to Vince McMahon from 1994. That's for sure. Oh, um, what a maneuver. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
and uh, so uh, yeah check us out you know the links over at our Facebook page facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two and on our Twitter our handle is at kicking out two you can also find the link over at soundcloud.com and the very newly uh, launched uh Pro, uh, Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. You'll find all the archive shows for kicking out at two when that network launches WrestleMania weekend. But before we get into that, you like you said, last week, this week, next week, next week we hit you with part two of our WrestleMania MVPs covering WrestleMania's 18 to 34. Justin and Dennis, they sat down with me and we went through all of our MVPs. We had some pretty doozy, pretty good doozies there. So uh, you're going to want to tune into that as well as next week. And this week, I should say, we're going to be starting to unleash some bonus content at Kicking Out awesome. It, too. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to have uh, a little mini watch party, so to speak, coming up later this week, maybe even this weekend. Um, and then next week, we're going to continue with the WrestleMania bonus content, along with our regularly scheduled show uh, each and every Wednesday. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, this week, I'm going to be releasing Sting versus Triple H from... WrestleMania 31, Dennis sat down with me and we watched that match from beginning to end uh, and got to relive some of the nostalgia that was involved in that match with the NWO and DX cameos. So that was a lot of fun. So stay tuned later this week. Maybe at the, in, the, in the middle of the weekend, I'm going to drop the uh, WrestleMania 31 Sting versus Triple H watch party as a bonus show for kicking out at two. Sounds fun, man. Sounds awesome. Yeah, I can't wait for all that. And uh, like you said, everything will be up on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. WrestleMania weekend, we launch the 4th of April. And that's going down right there on uh, Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on Podbean, Stitcher, iPod, any type of podcasting network catcher that you have we will be on there for sure very cool very cool more 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 ear more earbuds that need to be plugged in to listen to all of us and all of our shows uh yeah all the great free stuff and free content that we have over at pro wrestling uh podcast network for retromania yeah man i'm excited and uh once we launch there we will have episodes of gaijin wrestling radio that will back up for february covering the new japan cup that's going down that's very intense right now uh covering jushin thunder liger's retirement announcement um some matches between king kong bundy hey that's pretty cool right yeah yeah uh some cool stuff like that uh rundowns from gaijin wrestling radio from all around roh new japan pro wrestling and some nxt coverage um and as always we will have hulkamania is dead hulkamania is dead will be hosting wrestlemania 7 where jimmy and i fantasy book wrestlemania 7 from the beginning to the end without hulk hogan that's the alternate storyline that we've booked it is awesome it's a fun show uh join us there for our second season of retromania and uh we will be going until wrestlemania 9 so we have about two more years of booking going on um if you guys like write to us at retromania podcast at gmail.com join in the fun at retromania on facebook or write to us and join in the fun on twitter at retromania pod um, and where can we find you, Dave? 
uh, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. You can hit that like button, uh, join in all the retro pro wrestling fun we're having over there, all kinds of uh, memes and videos and discussions and articles, debates, all kinds of great stuff going on over there, as well as our Twitter handle at kicking out to K I C K N O U T and the number two. Help me build the following on Twitter because it's not as strong as we have on Facebook. So please help a brother out. Follow me if you have a Twitter, if Twitter's your thing. If it's not, just make a Twitter account and then find Kicking Out at Two and follow it. And then you don't have to follow and then you don't have to do anything ever again. You know, just yeah, do me a favor, please. Yes. And please rate, review, subscribe any way you can on any podcast app that you have for Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network or Kicking Out at Two. Anything that is on our network, it will help us grow and it will help the community grow that we have here and that we've built for free for everybody. Yes, sir. Oh. Yeah. Yep. And with that being said, you ready to mark out this day, Dave? I am certainly ready. Let's do it, my man. Let's do it. It's March 21st. Uh, man, we are we we are riding along here, man. We've we've been doing this since December and it almost feels like a year already. It's uh it's a lot of wrestling that we run down every week, but uh, we do it here for the fans and we give you the birthdays, the death days, the momentous moments or not so momentous moments in professional wrestling history. So indeed uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, it's yes. been a long it's been a long strange trip as a, as a uh, to quote the Grateful Dead, but it's been a fun one. Um and and yeah, it does feel like a year even though we've been doing this since December, but um let's get into these birthdays. Let's get the let's get the the shittiest birthday out of the way. Why why don't we? Um let's do it. You know, we we're, we're not WWE where we're, we're not going to talk about some of the controversial things like they don't mention Chris Benoit and rightfully so. They're a billion dollar corporation publicly traded yada 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 etc cetera, etc cetera. but um you know we're not but someday we will be anyhow um march 21st 1951 rock and roll buck zumoff was born mm. and for those of you who are aware or unaware of who buck zumoff is he was a i would guess you could say he was a underneath guy maybe an enhancement talent in the awa um yes. And uh, like I said, we're getting the shittiest birthday out of the way. Why? Because the piece of shit's in prison because he raped his daughter. So uh, you know, I, I I hope the uh, the 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 shitty you know prison food as uh, is 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 what you're uh, what you've been accustomed to for a long long time, my friend. Or should I say, I hope, not yeah, my friend. I hope, I hope jail life treats you okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fuck Zuma. Well, somebody is. Somebody's made him this bitch. That's for sure. Because you know, you, you know, you know what the funny thing is about about going to jail. And I and I only know this from talking to some people who work like in the Department of Corrections. You know, all the murderers and and you know the 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 all the the, the most evil criminals, serial killers and burglars, you rapists. Know, yeah, they have this like moral compass. Like if you rape a child, like you're the worst of the worst in there. Like you know what I mean. So I guess robbing a bank and killing people just for fun it, it makes you that much better of a human being than a rapist but not to get off the rails here yeah buck Zumoff uh was convicted of uh, raping his daughter and he's spending uh, the remainder of his years in prison uh, which where he should be um and like i said uh you know i hope jail doesn't treat you okay 
because that's pretty yes. sick and disgusting. And, you know, that's that's where I stand. Don't really know much about him other than the fact that he was an AWA enhancement guy. Um, really? Fav- really yeah. a, a knockoff of, uh, of Jimmy Valiant, honestly. Yeah, real, yeah, a, yeah, a knockoff, yeah, that's for sure, a key word, knockoff, but yeah, that, yeah, that, that's as far as I can go with Buck Sumoff. Next. Agreed. Next. Um, let's, um, let's, let's go, let's save the best for last, um, honestly, okay. if you're, if you're yeah. looking at the same notes as I am. Go for it. Um, let's go 1978, K-Fed, Kevin Federline. Everybody, March 21st, 1978, Kevin Federline was born on this day. And his predominance in the wrestling uh, community, Dave, didn't he, let's... Did, didn't yeah. he beat John Cena on a, on, yeah. on a Monday Night Raw? He pinned mm-hmm. John Cena on a Monday Night Raw. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. And there's um, those John Cena haters out there that, you know, and I've encountered quite a bit of them that talk about how much he sucks and how terrible he is, but... You know, you'll accept the fact that fucking Britney Spears' ex-husband backup dancer pinned him on an episode of Monday Night Raw. Where's the right. fucking he put, logic in he, that? He put him over. This is like when I started getting back into WWE. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, it was just amazing for me to see this. I was like, oh, wow. They got pop stars that are prevalent. Okay, sure. And then John Cena's putting him over. Okay, wow. It's a main event angle on Raw. Cool. Wow, it was cool. Yeah, at the time, but yeah, uh, yeah that was WWE was a lightning at the rod time. For controversy, right? Huh, I'm sorry. Federline was a lightning rod of controversy at the time, right? With all the crazy shit yes. that him and Britney were doing and getting married mm-hmm. in their fucking their their ones. She had shaved her, her head, she and, shaved her yeah. head, all that crazy shit. They, I, if I remember correctly, I think there were even rumors they were trying to get her to be a part of it as well, like she was gonna like valet him or something. But I'm sure doesn't that, you know, surprise me. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that she uh, she uh, was 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 her asking price was a little too high for Monday Night Raw and WWE. Oh, baby, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, you really went Britney Spears. Wow. <laughs> could you imagine, though? That'd be cool. What, if she, like, came out, like, with him as, like, a valet for that match with Cena? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, any, you know, anything's possible. It's wrestling. Yes. Um, one more time. Let's do the birthdays. Uh, Killer Kelly from the... WWE NXT rounds right now. She was born on this day, March 21st, 1992. Okay. And uh, Libsyn. Yeah. So she's a big NXT UK star right now. Yep. Making yeah. her rounds. Uh, very, 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 very good in ring, I will say. You know, I've tried watching some of the uh, the, the NXT UK. I mean, it, like, you know, between all the wrestling I watch for my show and we do this show and, you know, just in general, um, I have a hard time keeping up with, you know, NXT UK. You know, I hear nothing but good things about it. And uh, when it comes to her, she's probably going to be a big part of that women's division from what I'm hearing. Agreed. Yes. All right. Last birthday on here. It's Tuesday, March 21st, 1972. Chris Candido. Chris Candido, man, you know, you can you can you you can talk about Candido um, and his contributions to wrestling um, be, 
through his association with Sonny, of course. I mean, Sonny has a name and a reputation of all, all by herself, but the two yes. of them had dated for quite some time. Um, Candido, uh, a, a very good in-ring performer, someone who was criminally um, underrated in terms of what he could, you know, what he was given um, in wrestling creatively, and uh, I mean, it's you know, unfortunately, a guy that was gone too soon. I felt like he was really getting his uh, his bearings back um, in TNA in the early TNA days when he was uh, when when he was making cameos and he had just become you know drug free and. I know he had battled some demons and issues, and I hate, actually, why did I say that? I fucking hate when they use that word, demons. I can't stand well, that. Uh, that. All right. All right. Side note. Yes. Bruce Pritchard's podcast, which we talk about a lot because we are big fans of. Yes. And that's, I, I agree, that is a great wrestling podcast for insight and uh, dynamics into the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about it on an earlier episode, Demons. Demons is like one of the first referenced things in pop culture relating to wrestling and drug abuse with wrestlers or celebrities. Um, And I think pop culture may have started that. And we, we took that into wrestling, but uh, it's definitely something that's synonymous with wrestling demons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, anytime someone has a drug problem, it's like, oh, they've met their demons. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a nice way of saying, like, you got a fucking problem, you know? Uh, yeah. But, yeah, no, I didn't really care for I, I don't care for that line. And, like, Bruce is even – I think it was, like, Bruce and Conrad have even said that they're – that that they don't uh, – you know, Bruce has been adamant and same with Conrad that, you know, the, the, the phrase itself, demons, is, is – uh, overstated but um yeah candido man it was you know gone too soon you know like he was one of those guys that, like i was really hoping he'd have a a good comeback story because uh you know man all the Me stories too. i used all the stories i used to hear about like how you know when sunny was dating sean michaels but candido was still living with her and like mm. all the shit that she used to do behind his back like you know or in front of his face that he would ignore and bury with drugs yeah Yeah. and you know the poor bastard you know just was like you know he 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 had to deal with a lot of shit like no wonder why he was so fucked up um yeah but to remember in a good way i think this guy like with the heavenly bodies and like even his run here in w- ECW and then later he could have gone to WWE and been like a great intercontinental champion. Um, one of those guys that puts people over like we've talked about in the past that gives them the rub in a great yeah. match. Um, yeah. Sadly, he would pass away March 28th, 2005 of a blood clot uh, due to drug induced or you know his his past but his final match was april 24th of 2005 in tna um him and lance hoyt who is lance archer now in new japan pro wrestling um wrestled against apollo and sunny siaki if i'm if i'm mistaken i could be i could be um he broke his leg during that match and then he died a few days later if i'm not mistaken right Mm-hmm. Or is it mm-hmm. like a week later or something? Yep. And the blood clot was formed after the the injury, correct? About four days later, yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's just crazy. <clears throat> Sad story. 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, but one of those guys, like I said, I, I really could picture him like a mid card, you know, top tier mid card, top tier mid card, like putting over the faces to get to the next level. Yeah, I, I, I could I could get behind that. Yeah, I could see that being the case. Um. All right, you ready to move on with the day, the death days here? Yes. Um, let's let's do it. March. 21st 2013 this person died uh moondog spike moondog spike everybody there was so many moondogs the only reason that i'm bringing this up is because the moondogs are in wwf in 1981 and uh this current moondog was a later addition to the faction he wrestled in all japan in the late 80s with moondog spot and then in the uswa with moondog kujo and then later with moondog splat to battle against doug gilbert and the dirty white boy in uswa how many moondogs did they have holy cow like moondog splat kujo king rex spot yeah, I mean, we're, yeah, that's just the only reason I bring that up is because that's one of those gimmick names that you can tie on to. Yeah, I, I didn't realize there was that many Moondogs. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I did not. Um, I, I Moondogs came before my time when I started watching, um, but the Moondogs were like the... The, the 80s version of the Dudleys. Like when the Dudleys mm-hmm. in ECW, they had like 40 Dudleys and only two of them yes. ever became successful. Or three, I should say. Agree. But Agree. Cow, but still, uh, like people talked about like they saw the Moondogs everywhere. This is why, you know? Okay. Yeah. Like I know my my uncle that was really big into NWA back in the day that got me into wrestling more about the history of everything. He talked about the Moondogs nonstop. And I'm pretty sure he's talking about the Moondogs Rex and King from WWF 1980s, the early ones, the originals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but uh, to to go on, like you, like you said, like people will build off of a gimmick name and then go with that and then just, you know, it's like Roberts or Rogers or The Natural or, uh, you know, any type of gimmick name that's built off of. Yeah. We should do a special episode of that. That'd be interesting, yeah. Yeah. All the tiger masks, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Or all the doinks. Yes. Yes. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, you ready to actually get into this day with actually wrestling? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Uh the oldest match on the card is WWF All-Stars 1981 and the only thing that I'm going to run down from the show is an all-star appearance on the show. We get Andre the Giant teaming with Tony Gurria and Rick Martel battling against a three-man team and beating them. Um, then later in the show we get the WWF champion Bob Backlund going against the Hangman and he pins him with a beautiful bridging suplex um, this is great for 1981 standards because everybody is brawling at the time and we're going through this transition of where it's like on cable television, the popular wrestlers are brawlers or people that can yell and scream. But Bob Backlund is the WWF champion 
pinning a guy with a beautiful wrestling hold here, an amateur wrestling hold. And then later in the show, we get Pedro Morales, the Intercontinental Champion, beating Rick Shaw. So we get an all-studded star show from WWF here in 1981. It's very cool. You know, you bring up an uh, interesting uh, point with the... Um with the with Backlund uh, defeating him with an amateur wrestling move, uh, mm-hmm. hold that hold that thought because it it something something came to mind when you brought that up that I will touch upon later um, when, yeah. we, when we discuss uh, the, uh, the the ECW show. Definitely, definitely, um, that's what we're here for. All right, so moving on with the day, let's go to WCW NWA nineteen eighty seven March. 21st um they everybody is still gearing up for the crockett cup as we've told you the first couple weeks of april will be held in baltimore for the crockett cup and the winning team wins a million dollars what would you do correct yeah what would you do for a million dollars i think that's a great way to like like we talked about last week about teaming heavyweights for tag team competition. This is a great way to get guys like team together that are unlikely, you know, duos. Um, it's just a good way to get storytelling going forward for the next year. Yeah. In my, in my opinion. No, I, I, I like it cause you can, you can toy with ideas and test certain things that, um, you know, that, that, you think could work um whether it's you know two guys that could eventually be rivals or two guys that could be a a team or two guys that you're not really doing anything with that you just kind of throw together and see what comes of it you know so it's a it's a neat little concept um that um you know i wouldn't mind seeing something like that implemented in today's landscape at least with wwe same here with like mixing uh 205 live with nxt with yeah raw and smackdown with tag oh, yeah. teams oh, yeah i think perfect, i think raw man. i think raw and smackdown need to you know merge their men's tag team if the women are going to have a tag team division and be able to float between brands then raw and smackdown should be able to do the same thing uh because Agreed. there's just there's too many tag teams on both sides and you know not enough uh not enough coverage on the tag team scene uh at least, you know, one show will get it, the other one might not. And it's almost like they're fighting to to, to, to see which tag team division is going to be highlighted more. And so, not to get off the rails, but it just kind of reminded me of that. No, I agree. Um, the, this is a perfect show to showcase tag teams. Um, and that's what NWA, what we talked about before in the last episode, um, NWA and WCW were very good at at the time for particular moments where they would build congruent tag team feuds with single feuds. Yeah. Um, so, so the Russians have the tag team belts in this match that they have here, but Dick Murdoch and Ivan Koloff won the belts. It's Dick, it's Ivan Koloff and Pietrov, uh, holding the belt. So they're doing a little bit of free bird action here before. So setting up to tell the story that it could be any amount of the Russians or Dick Murdoch teaming up in the Crockett Cup tournament. And uh, then we get later, we get a singles match from Tim Horner. Tim Horner, everybody. Tim you Horner, he was, um, he was, uh, I know that, 
in in later years he he uh I, I believe he worked behind the scenes for wwe as an agent um, okay i, I want to say it was uh, like the the mid to early 2000s um but he was uh, like brad armstrong's tag team partner if i'm not mistaken he was for a while brad okay. armstrong is teaming with bullet bob armstrong right now um for the Crockett Cup. And, and Tim just in Horner, 2019, just retired. He had his final yeah, wrestling exactly. match like earlier this week. How ironic. Yeah, dude. <laughs> that's that's he's crazy. Looking old, he's looking old as crust in these episodes regardless. But uh, Tim Horner is teaming up with Mike Rotunda. Um, but Tim Horner has a singles match here. It's an enhancement match that he wins easily. But... Um, it's the same way that Bob Backlund won his match six years ago. It's that bridging backslide pin combination, okay. which is right. awesome. And Tim Horner reminds me a lot of Bob Backlund. The look, the physique, you know, just the amateur wrestling. And it just goes to show you the... Um, I like to drop a magnifying glass on the time periods of wrestling. So 81, we're getting in there where like the talkers and the brawlers are very popular at the time but uh-huh. bob Backlund is their their amateur wrestling champion and then 87 we have amateur wrestlers that are on the undercard and then talkers and brawlers on the top card and hulk hogan is the champion and rick flair is the champion you know what i'm saying oh no Just i get a different it yeah perspective on yeah. everything oh yeah absolutely no it's I just very cool to take a look back through time yeah, yeah, you know, the thing, it's it's ebbs and flows, you know what I mean? We'll go through mm-hmm. a period where the smaller, more athletic guys are on top and the and the, the, the bigger, bigger, muscular guys are, you know, holding the fort down and then they'll flop, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll go in reverse. So um, it's, it's, just, it's just about timing. Yes, and about, like, what our society or culture approves of or the region approves of, really. Um. Which is, which, which is why I'm like, I'm more, I'm more proponed not to go off track, but I'm more proponed to territories because you get like that territory that is familiar with a person rather than WWE, which, which I, which I adore as well in uh-huh. its own right, where we yeah. go to different properties and they don't like a guy as much as they do in a certain place. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. I understand. I mean, uh, yeah. the ter- what's, what's great about the territory system is that, um, like you said, that there are guys that are familiar with that territory and the territory is familiar with them. But then there's, you know, they, 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 they put a fresh act out when they leave that territory to go somewhere else. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they could start all over again. And in many ways, it's a great thing because, you know, your act really never gets old because you're, you're performing in front of a, a, a new, fresh audience. But at the same time, um, it could be, you know, that audience could not like what, you know, another act or another audience, I should say, from a different territory was into that made you red hot. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's a catch 22, but it's, it's it's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, agreed. Um, later in this episode, at the end, the horseman, J.J. Dillon, confirmed that confirm that Ole Anderson is out and once again, we get a full recap of him confronting 
Ric Flair and the Horseman, and then he gets beat down in the locker room backstage. That's like been being played for like a month nearly, but they chop it up. Isn't it like the third week in a row that they like confirmed Oli's out? Like it took them two weeks to announce Flair's in, but like the third week in a row they're announcing that Oli's out. Like how many more did did that that many people tune in and you got to remind them every week? Like what the fuck? Well, that was the thing. So we don't have the internet at the time. So nobody has instant access. So every week you're getting your news. So they have to reiterate or replay storylines. Um, And they do a great job of this over the last month. Um, They really, they like show part of the argument that Oli had with the four horsemen at the beginning to, to show that there is a problem. Then they show like an aftermath. Then they show like the middle part of them beating him up. And then finally the fourth week, they show the whole clip, you know, after it's been a month. Um, It's just really incredible to see cable television at this time to where everybody's hanging on every week for storytelling and you're not sitting there in between the weeks getting other storytelling or Twitter conversations or arguments, you know, for that matter. Um, This is just brilliant. Um, They, they, they salvaged a, an angle that could have gone within a week or an episode of raw and they stretched it out for three to four months. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's just a sign of the times, you know, and, and the availability of content or lack thereof, I should say during that time period, you know, there's no internet, there's no social. There was no lack thereof. We talked about this last time. There was so many hours of uh, wrestling in the late eighties. It was just, they were this good with, telling stories that actually meant something to where you had to watch it episodically. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, I stand corrected. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right, let's move on with the day WCCW world-class championship wrestling, 1987 black Bart challenges Scott Casey to a drugstore cowboy match, a drugstore cowboy match. What the fuck? All right, so Black Bart, former champion for WCCW, which was the terrible booking at the time, but he won that title, and then he broke Scott Casey's brother's leg in a match, quote-unquote. So he's going off this heat here, and he's telling Scott Casey that he's a drugstore cowboy. Do you know what that is? Do you know what that is? Do you know what that is? We never get an answer, but... I saw the movie Drugstore Cowboy, and that was just the guy that was addicted to pills, right? Okay. Yeah, I'm, so. All right. I didn't know if right, like so. they had. To, I didn't know if it was like a boiler room brawl concept where like they fight all the way like. Well, and then, here's like, they, the stipulations of the match. Right, Black Bart challenges Scott Casey to a drugstore cowboy match a because drug he's a drugstore cowboy. The winner. <laughs> The winner will ride the other, the loser, with a saddle. That's, that's it. And just remember, when you all want to shit on Vince Russo for Viagra on a pole, we were given a drugstore cowboy match, and the loser had to <laughs> jump on someone's back with a fucking saddle. Thank you, and good night. Yeah. 
Uh, moving on with this episode, we have My WCCW goodness. heavyweight champion Kevin Von Erich wins via DQ over Maniac Matt Bourne. Mm, look at that. Yeah. All right. Uh, not too much to see here. It's Percy Pringle using the cane to cause a D- DQ. Bobby Heenan um, 2.0? Yes, indeed. Okay. Percy Pringle, which which still amazes me. You would think like Percy Pringle, like uh, Paul Bearer, would have his own like gimmick set, but no, he was biting off Bobby Heenan the whole time. But you know what though? Like that was he was he was he had his own version. Yes. Yeah, he had a little. Yeah, he he put a little a little bit of his own spin on it, but for the most part, he took a lot from Bobby Heenan. Like I said, with the hair and the sequin, you know, sports coat, but. Um, at the same time, you know, he wasn't being WCCW wasn't being shown on a grander scale. You know what I mean? They were a no. they were a large territory. And granted, the, the show was pirated out in the Middle East. But, um, you know, <laughs> he uh, it wasn't like it was, you know, what it was in the 90s when you had, you know, on, on cable television, you had, you know, Nitro and Raw. And you could obviously see that sort of stuff. This is still in the territory day. So not everyone in Texas might not have known who Bobby Heenan was. And, you know, the the fans up north who were familiar with Bobby Heenan definitely didn't know who Percy Pringle was. Right. Uh, agreed. Um, good call. All right, so moving on with this episode of World Class Championship Wrestling, the main event is Red River Jack, which is Bruiser Brody oh, under God a mask. Again. Jesus. Versus Jeep Swenson. Remember okay. we talked about him. Okay. Okay, Listen. it's that two-minute challenge. Uh, Bruiser Brody, or I'm sorry, Red River Jack has to survive a two-minute challenge against Jeep Swenson. So it's a bunch of punches avoiding Jeep Swenson. Red River Jack uses a chair. The referee doesn't call it. Whatever, we keep going. It's past two minutes. Boom, boom, boom. Red River Jack wins the match because he passed two minutes. But him and Jeep Swinson are just nailing each other over and over. And uh, we go off the air with them brawling. I, I You know what? I, I've been waiting to talk to you about this. Okay. Yes. Um, Jeep Swinson, we've been talking about it for the last few weeks. And yes. you, you, you opened my eyes last week when you told me who it was, the, the ultimate solution, uh, yes. part of that, you know, that, that God awful, um, thunder doomsday tower cage that was, took place with Hogan at, uh, at, uh, uncensored in 1996. I just also listened. played the body for buying Bane. Yes, for Bane. In, yes. Uh, he was Bane yeah. in the, the Batman and Robin Batman movie in 97. Um, I just listened to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff earlier this week, and they covered uh, Uncensored 1996. And Mm. did you know that originally WCW was going to portray him as the final solution, but they had were threatened with legal with legal action because of the name. So they had to change it to (laughs) ultimate solution. I wonder why. Yeah. I don't know. But anyhow, um, yeah, so when when I was listening to it on the way to work in the car, and Bischoff was, you know, uh, uh, Conrad uh, said, you know, you guys signed uh, Tiny Zeus Lister um, and, uh, and uh, Jeep Swenson. And, Robert uh, Swenson, yeah. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, shit, we've been talking about that for a few weeks. Ha ha. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to tell you. But all right, continue. Ooh. 
Yeah, um, it's crazy. Just, uh, I mean, he's a massive man, but Brody's giving a, him a lot in this match. Um, and then later, I mean, earlier in the program, we have Gary Hart with Nord the Barbarian, who we talked about last week as well, who is the Berserker. Yes. He husk. talks about he. Yes. Hus, hus, hus. I teamed with uh, Bruiser Brody and AWA, and we lost touch. And uh, he trained me. So Bruiser Brody allegedly trained the Berserker, um, which is cool. Is that and, uh, like legit, or is that was that just in storyline? That's for the storyline. I'm not sure if legit. I will okay. find out by next week. Yeah, no. Um, okay. But yeah, just very cool at the time, I thought. And um, Jeep Swenson there won Robert Swenson, who is a mass of a fucking man. Yeah. Just uh, going. I mean, he doesn't do bad for what he can do. Uh-huh. Um, it's very 80s-esque heel, if you will. Well, he knows he knows his limitations, and he 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 works off of Agreed. that. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> Agreed. All right. So let's move forward. Um, WCW New Japan Pro Wrestling Super Show from 1991, March 21st, 1991, from the Tokyo Dome. This is a show that it can be found on Daily Motion, YouTube, and parts of WWE Network. Uh, they're scattered apart because um, WCW owns the rights the rights to this, I believe, um, and and New Japan Pro Wrestling just joined upon. Um, but there is so many g- great gems in this card. Dave, anything that you liked or didn't like? Um. The Sting Muda is probably what stands out for me the most. Yeah. Um, although I want to say there was a Steiner Brothers match. I forget who they wrestled. Yes, Steiner um, Brothers against Hirohase and Kenzuki Sasaki. Oh, yes, yes. All right, let's run down this uh, WCW NJPW 1991 Super Show card real quick. Um, Kabayashi Kashinaki. And Izuka, who just retired. That's the guy with the iron glove. Um, Takeyuki Izuka, who's the crazy guy with the iron glove, who just retired from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, He's been wrestling for a very long time. This is a very different character for him. He was well more contained. He was in a tag team called the JJ Jacks. That's the Jumping Jacks. Um, yeah, they defeated <laughs> Brian Pillman, Tom Zank, and making a comeback on our show, Tim Horner. Oh, wow. Yeah, pretty cool, right? Pillman and huh? Zink. I, I used to like them as a tag team in, in uh, the, the early 90s WCW. I thought that was a, same a, here. a, a fun little team. Yes, same here. And uh, teaming up with one Tim Horner. That's got to be a combination, but the New Japan foes stand tall. Then we get Jushin Thunder Liger defeating Akira Naomi. Uh, Yes, classic New Japan junior heavyweight match. Moving along here, Arn Anderson and Barry Windham defeat Masa Chono and Masa Saito. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Um, 
about 10 minutes here. Um, it's just crazy how we got these four horsemen in 1991 or like, I mean, the remains of the four horsemen in 1991 going against two of the biggest aces in Japanese wrestling period, Chono and Saito. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. All right, moving on, the match that we talked about earlier, Rick and Scott Steiner beach beat Hase and Kenzuke Sasaki. Uh, two aces again in New Japan Legends, but two guys that never really got the world title reign under their belt, never really got a singles run to themselves. They just stayed tag teams in WCW. Um, the Steiners. Yeah. No, the Steiners. Crazy. One of my favorite teams of all time. Um, I, I, I love I love the physical matches that they have, especially with guys you know from you know the the, the Japanese culture. They just they they. For those of you that ever want to question whether wrestling's fake or not, and I, I think that that honestly I can't really say that like that society looks at it as fake. I think they see it now as more as a form of entertainment, but if there's someone out there that says, oh, that fake wrestling, you go watch a Steiner Brothers match with a couple of guys like uh, Saito and uh, and uh, um, uh, Suzuki. I can't even pronounce the names, for Christ's sakes. Uh, Hase and Suzuki. Hase yeah. and Suzuki, Steiner excuse me. Yeah. And Steiner, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just, just look at the physicality in that match and tell me that's not real. <laughs> so no i agree um a match that was definitely real el gigante defeats curtis hughes in two minutes defeats him via submission they let these this two wrestle terrible. in japan yeah what i cannot fuck? even believe it terrible well, that's, that's terrible jim hurt for here. you yeah that's that's jim hurt for you yeah he he, he tried to make el gigante like the the their version of andre the giant so right? I, I guess he yeah. wanted to, you know, show him off to the Japanese crowd because he thought that they would get a big kick out of some big tall guy. But yeah, wow. We spoke of that on a past episode of Marking Out the Days. Um, moving on with this card, we get the Great Muda defeating Sting in about ten minutes. Here, this is a great match, though. It's available on Daily Motion. We will post it in the facebook links on our social media site but yeah i like this i like the entrance i like the match it was paced great um just guys that were in their prime in their feud against each other this was like the pinnacle 90 to 91 i think was great muda and sting's pinnacle of their rivalry if you will yeah, um, I'm surprised it's got ten minutes. I really am. I'm surprised that it didn't get, you know, it didn't go longer because the guys were, the, the two of them were capable of going longer. But um, mm-hmm. I think around this time, um, now this was March of '91, so Flair was still with the company at the time. But it's it felt like it felt like. This was the this was the point in time where Sting was really starting to come into his own and 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 looked at as a 
as a as someone that they could rely on more um, at, at at the top level in the event that Flair were to be gone, and eventually Flair would be gone just a few months later. But um, agreed. But yeah, I mean, like it these was like matches, the warrior test with Hogan. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. Um, and Sting and Warrior mirrored each other throughout their careers. If I if I will say so myself. Yeah, looking no, back, watching. Too. Yeah. I would absolutely agree, but yeah, this is this this wasn't a bad match um, with the two of them. Uh, they they've had better, but it was still pretty good for what it was. Agreed. Um, I will post this. Everybody, watch it if you will. Um, I, I agree that they could have gone longer, but yeah. the main event that went really long, about twenty seven minutes to be or twenty three point six minutes. To be exact, Tetsumi Fujinami defeats Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight title. Now, this is the precursor to the rematch that they had, I believe, at the first Super Super Brawl. Brawl. Okay, which which takes place the first one in May of 91, correct? Yep. Yes, indeed. So this was leading up to so the, the finish of this match was setting up the rematch in WCW on American yes. turf. Okay. And run us through that. Run us through what the the, the finish and everything. Um, if I'm not mistaken, because my memory's a little foggy because I watched a lot of wrestling this week, was <laughs> it the. Um, was there some kind of like double pin where like one guy's shoulders was on the, yep. I, I could, and I could be mistaken. So please refresh my memory. Yeah. It, it seemed like a double pin, but we were going to get the, uh, right out championship rematch in May. Like you said, at super brawl. So, uh, this was kind of a dusty finish here. Okay. But All they right, wanted yeah. to make the fans go home happy. Like I said, I got I, I watched a lot of wrestling this week, so I apologize if I'm not if I'm not at the the, the top of my game. But yeah, this was uh, this was this was something that was you know leading up to uh, to to the um, the rematch at the Super Bowl pay per view, which I believe and you you might know this better than I do. Um, Japanese finishes like this were very few and far between. You got definitive winners in, in title matches, especially in Japan. You didn't get a very finish so. like this in Japan. Very at much that so. time, so it was we it was, it was definitive very things in Japan. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's either yes, no, win, loss, or uh, yeah, if there is a DQ or a countout or anything like that, it goes on, and they will never forget that. It'll be brought up till the end of time. Um, that's one thing with Japanese audience that I respect with their product. They are the, not stupid to it. The they remember. Yes, they remember every little consistent spot, and it's about storytelling, and that's what I respect about it. Um, it's very, very cool. Um, all right, let's. That's a great card. I will post some matches if I can on the links in Facebook. If you guys want to look out for the match for Ric Flair and Fujinami, as well as Sting and Muda, those would be cool from 1991. I'll have to go back and watch those when you post them again, because uh, yes, you know, like I said, ref- re- need, need a refresher. I appreciate the appreciate you lifting me up. <laughs> when yes, it came indeed. To that one. That's what I'm here for. 
Um, let's move on with the day. WWF MSG show from 1993. The only reason I wanted to note this is it's 1993. The road after WrestleMania or before WrestleMania 1993. I think this is before. This is before, yeah, because WrestleMania 9 took place in April on the 4th. So this would be before WrestleMania. So yeah. this is about 10,000 here. The uh, third to last main event is Rick Steiner defeating Erwin R. Scheister in about 10 minutes. Then we have Randy Savage Wheel. defeating Doink the Clown Wheel. in about eight minutes. And they had clowns. squared off earlier in the night for no contest. But that's just going to show. It's WrestleMania 9, and we have Randy Savage on the card going to the go-home shows. Crazy. Yeah, um, which, you know, not to spoil anything, but uh, you know, Savage will be a big part of a go-home show when we discuss it next week heading into that WrestleMania, but just a little little teaser. I'm not going to give away too much, but uh, yeah. yeah, a very interesting time because he wasn't involved in pretty much anything except for the commentary, which was sad. Agreed. And then the main event of this show from MSG 1993 in March, it's Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect defeating Lex Luger and Razor Ramon in Ooh. about 20 minutes. I like that. Pretty cool, right? I like that. Yeah, that sounds. I like that a lot. Um, I think with the right storytelling, Bret Hart and Mister Perfect, like, you know, you're a great wrestler. I'm a great wrestler. We're both great wrestlers. Let's stick together. Um, Going against these guys who are like new on the WWF scene, if you will. Yep. No, that's pretty cool. I might want to watch that match too. That sounds like a lot of fun. Right, sounds very cool. If I can, uh, if I can find it, or if anybody can, it's on uh, 1993 Madison Square Garden, March the 21st. Okay. Yes, indeed. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit of Monday Night Raw from 1994. Let's fast forward a year uh, in advance, March 21st, 1994, from the Civic Center in Poughkeepsie. New York. Yeah, um, this was the night after WrestleMania 10, which you can find in the archives over at SoundCloud.com as well as our social media, Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two, as well as our Twitter at Kicking Out Two. Um, yeah, this was uh, this was a this was an all right show. I mean, mostly you know highlighted for um, you know. The, the Bret Hart interview and basically the declaration of his second run as the World Wrestling Federation champion. Um, what I what the the biggest takeaway for me that I that I that I picked up from this was um, they main evented the show with Jeff Jarrett and Coco Beware, and mm-hmm. then they had Jarrett and Savage do a little pull apart at the end, and. I felt like, and as much as I love Macho Man, I felt like this was a let Macho Man get his shit in kind of moment because he was in the mid card at a WrestleMania. Like, yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I've, I've talked with you about this, and um, I mentioned it on the watch along that's posted this week. Uh, I was not a big fan of the match with Crush. It was, it was okay for what it was at WrestleMania, but um, I was disappointed in the way that they had. Uh, orchestrated the false count anywhere stipulation 
Um, no, so yeah, we definitely talked about that. I agree. So um, this was like it was just so very random that um, you know they they had Savage like almost like pick a fight with Jeff Jarrett over something stupid, and then they close the show. I guess you had to send the fans home happy. And then like at the end, I know I'm kind of fast forwarding through a lot of the other stuff that took place on this show, but um, at the end. Um, Vince goes, you know what I'm going to do? This is what I'm going to do. And he raises Savage's hand and the crowd goes crazy. Like, it was just, like, so awkward. It's like even Vince didn't know what to do. Like I said, it was like one of those, like, you know, let Randy get his shit in um, and, you know, have you know highlight him on this show because we didn't give him enough for WrestleMania. So that's why I took away from like, this Monday Night Raw. We didn't expect the reaction to be like this, so we're going to, we got to pat it with this. You know, uh, I mean, they're, they, I'm still over, Vince. Uh, maybe you should let me go in there and, uh, you know. No, you're not. God damn it. I'm going to raise your hand. Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, maybe I don't want you to raise my hand. Uh-huh. I'm going to raise your hand. God damn it. Here I go. You know what? I really don't I care if your name is at the bottom first. of my chick. All right? I did it first. Oh, god damn it. Uh-huh. I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it was yeah. just. That's how it was. Yeah. It was that, that the episode was what it was. You know what was cool though? Like the little, um, like in between like commercial breaks, like they would, you know, promote what took place at WrestleMania 10, like with still shots. And um, they had like a Todd Pettengill, like final WrestleMania report. Um, <laughs> and then they had like the celebrities, like interviewing, um, mm-hmm. being interviewed at ringside after the Bret Hart celebration, like Ronda Shear and Burt Reynolds. And I didn't know this, but. Johnny Polo was doing the interview for Burt Reynolds um, during the during the segment. It's funny how, like, you know, he came out earlier in the evening at WrestleMania 10. He managed the Quebecers as a heel manager. And then he did that exclusive little interview with Burt Reynolds ringside. And it was basically like he was feeding Burt Reynolds a couple of lines like, what would you think of WrestleMania? And. You know, he pitched it to Burt, and Burt was like, it was the greatest show on earth. And, you know, what about the, the, the WWF superstars? And he was like, they're the best, best athletes in the world. And I just thought it was kind of kind of interesting that they put him in that position to do that interview. But nonetheless, um, that's what I really took from the from the, the night after WrestleMania. The crowd was, I'll say this, though, even like the Bushwhacker-Quebecer match and um, – the Tatanka match against the enhancement talent, like yeah, let's the, let's the, quickly go the through. Crowd the crowd was into it. Quick. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, could, I just kind of jumped ahead here, but you know, no, that's, uh, that, that was just okay, what I took so, away from it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, the Quebecers beat the Bushwhackers in about eight minutes. Tatanka beats Chris Hamrick in about five minutes. Diesel beats Ken Luca, and then Jeff Jarrett beats Coco Beware. But like you said, the crowd was so hot for this and i think you spoke of last week the raw that we were gonna watch was the one that they had filmed or two weeks ago is the one that they had filmed the night after raw quote unquote yeah i don't know like it's is weird because when i was watching it earlier today to do to do my research i could have sworn that they had already taped that the week, you know, a couple of couple of weeks prior, because like I said, Raw used to be live, um, and then they would do like the next three or four weeks in the same evening. But Vince kind of like made this declaration in the middle of the broadcast, here at the beginning of the broadcast, he was like, "It's Monday Night Raw, and we are live." And 
that was the end. Like, I was like, oh, okay, maybe they are, maybe they were live the night after WrestleMania. Um, okay. So, I mean, I don't know. I'll have to look into it some more, but I could have sworn that, um, that they that they taped like you know the, this episode a few weeks prior, and the only reason why I say that is because the night after the 1994 Royal Rumble, they had already had that show in the can, and okay. they aired that show, and it was just like a mixed match of like some you know superstars with enhancement talents, and I think there was one main event between two guys who didn't really have. You know, much of a beef, and they just kind of dub the audio over it. You know how they do that in the studio. So, um, yeah, that's the only reason why I thought that this show was taped. But all right, I'm on. I'm on. I'm on enough of a tangent. Let's let's continue. No, agreed. Um, I think it was taped, definitely. Um, all right, let's move on with ECW because we got a couple years here to cover. Let's go to 1995 first it's ecw tv the only thing that i'm gonna focus on here is they are focusing on dean malenko against scorpio too cold scorpio for the ecw tv title and ecw tv title changes hand scorpio wins against dean malenko big match here for this episode um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, both guys are great athletes and, um, I, I can't imagine it being a bad match. I didn't get to watch this episode, but, um, you know, I always dug Scorpio and I liked I liked Scorpio from his WCW days. I hated Flash Funk, hated the fucking gimmick, but I was really? a Scorpio guy. Yeah. I didn't like yeah. it. I didn't like it. I, I, I liked Scorpio. I thought, you know, the two cold Scorpio, you know, the high flyer, I don't know. I just liked it better. I, I, I fucked with it more, too. He had more personality, as we will see. As we flash forward to ECW 1998, him and Sandman, Scorpio, that is, go against the FBI. And uh, it's just a mess of a match. It's Sandman and Scorpio teaming against the FBI, which is old-ass Tommy Rich and Tracy Smothers. Somebody say something about lasagna. <laughs> right, like some old-ass fucking wrestlers from the 80s picking up this gimmick enhancement of Italian guaps. I, I mean, it was uh, supposed to be, I guess it was supposed yeah. to be like a... Um, Sopranos. Uh, yeah, I guess it was supposed to be like a, you know, just like a... It was like a comedy, you know, like, like a, a comedy... Uh, a bit between the bet- as them part of the FBI, you know what I mean? Like it, everyone knew that they weren't really Italian, but you know they they tried to embrace the Italian, uh, you know, culture, so to speak. You know, two two rednecks from down south, which I, which had right. like an interesting take on it. Right. Uh, it, it, I mean, no, it I get worked. I get it. it I, I get what you're saying. Like it's not you know it, it's not for everyone. But, you know, no, I mean, using legends as that Paul Heyman has had a good idea. Just get get them a paycheck and they're talented. They know what to do. They'll be characters and uh, continue on, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, Tommy Rich is someone, you know, for old school wrestling fans, NWA fans is regarded as, you know, uh, a a legend, an icon. And to kind of see him in like a diminished, silly role like that, I could see why people didn't really take you know, too kindly to him, you know, adopting an Italian American, like mafia kind of gimmick. 
Yeah. Little different uh, coming from Wildfire Tire. Uh, yeah, Tommy Rich, who exactly. was former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, by the way. That's right. Former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, by the way. Yes, sir. Indeed. Uh, later in this episode of 1998 ECW, we get just incredible his people with uh, the China knockoff. I guess, uh, what was her name? Tylene Bass? Nicole Bass. Nicole Bass. Yeah. Yes. She was a regular on the uh, the Howard Stern show. So they beat down Tommy Dreamer and Mikey Whipwreck, and that's making uh, Justin Credible a well-known face here in ECW as franchise is still the champion as he teams with Chris Candido. Hey, that's a birthday on the date. Oh, look at that. And Bam Bam Bigelow, they beat Jerry Lynn... And uh, uh, I'm sorry, Lance Storm and who's the, who's the guy? Janelli, Chris Chris Chetty. I'm sorry, Chris Chetty, Chris yeah. Chetty. Yes. nephew of Taz, they, I believe. Yeah, so Chris Chetty, Lance Storm, and uh, Jerry Lynn to get defeated by Chris Candido, franchise and Bam Bam. Bigelow, the original franchise here, the trio, trio. Well, not the original, but franchise has had a triple uh, threat. Yes, yes. Okay. He's had a revolving door of characters throughout this triple threat throughout the last years that he's been here in ECW, which goes on to tell our story later in this episode. Let's flash forward to the meat and bones and potatoes of this bitch. ECW Living Dangerously 1999. This is from Asbury Park, New Jersey. Yes, this 3900. was 3900. This is a fun show. I loved it. I loved it. Um I had I had fun from the beginning to the end and it didn't feel like 3 hours. It felt like an hour and a half. No, that, it, it it breezed right by. I do have some minor I wouldn't say critiques about the show, so to speak, but you know some things that stood out to me that I do want to address. But yeah, it was well. Let's o- go. Let's... Overall, it was it was a fun show. I definitely had fun watching it, and like you said, it Agreed. went by pretty quickly. Agreed. Let's go through match by match. A uh, super crazy defeats Yoshihiro Tajiri in about ten minutes. This is a rematch from last month or two months ago that we saw on our program here on marking out the days we watched the uh the first exchange between the gentlemen yes yes indeed um i love this match it's a fusion of luchador and japanese strong style as well as american entertainment style as well as what you would see on roh television to begin with now um it is the epitome of indie wrestling or spot fest wrestling um if you will um, this is what we base all of our matches off of now, <laughs> if if I can say so myself. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I super can see crazy. why you would why you would uh, yes. why you why you make a statement like that. I mean, yeah, it just goes back and forth, back and forth, counter reversal, high spot, high spot. There is no lull in this match at all. No, there isn't. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, I like the guiltiest charge match better than this match. Um, okay. 
and not be and there's nothing I wouldn't say that there is anything wrong with this match between the two of them uh, like the two different contrasting styles with the lucha style and the Japanese style they worked well together um, it was a non-stop you know fast-paced um, match but for some reason I, I dug the, the the match between the two of them just a little bit more from the guilty as charged not taking anything away from this match but um, I felt like it was it went too fast for my liking you know what I mean okay like it's it, I agree they, you know like they, it, it was this fun. could have been a 20 minute one don't get me wrong it was fun I liked it but it almost went too fast for me. Like it was like, bam, that's done already. Like yeah. there's no slowing down. Not that I'm not that I'm a fan of like rest holds and shit like that. But like, you know, I do in some ways like a a, a, a well paced story in a match. A and breathing moment, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Give me give me some time to you know catch my breath too. You know, and I didn't feel like I had it with this. But I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with this match. If that's the only critique I have, I would say that maybe they just could have slowed it down just a touch. But other than that, it just was a fun touch. match. Yeah. Agreed. I would recommend going back to, back and watching this. Um, like you said, it went really quick. And not necessarily that it had to, but um, I think that they were worried about the time constraint. And then later in the show, we would see them filling and padding the time constraint. So, yeah. Yeah. Goes the show. You're right. I think they could have used a little bit more time. Let's move on with the card. Balls Mahoney defeats Steve Carino. Oh, my God. Balls Mahoney defeats Steve Carino. Now, this is Steve Carino's, like, kind of debut or ECW pay-per-view debut, if you will. Yeah. Um, he's coming out here challenging anybody, open challenge. Balls comes out with Axel Rotten, and they're playing off that. We've got big balls, and you can see them, like, mouthing the lyrics and everything. It just doesn't work with the audio that they have on the network. Please just license the fucking music, you know? I like mean, it makes, yeah. it's a lot of money to license all that music. You know what I mean? You know how I, much I got to pay, like, um, you know, quarterly or whatever. Like, that's a lot of money to be licensing all that music. You know, don't get me wrong. I'd agree. love to hear it, too, because some of the themes are rather silly. But, yes, you know, I get why. It, it costs a lot of money. You know, it, it, just, it, it just takes it out of this. Um, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Home. You get Steve Carino setting up for a Sweet Chin music. Sweet Chin music is hit by Steve Carino, but it does no good because we get a, Steve, a Sweet Chin music by Balls Mahoney, and then he finishes off Steve Carino in about four minutes. Thank you for coming out. Steve Carino, he gets his face crushed with a chair and doesn't even blade, but his forehead will have plenty of gashes in the near years. Oh yeah, he'll create a goddamn roadmap, you know, worse than Dusty and Abdullah, uh, with all Dude, the stuff it's, that he's it's done crazy to his face to over see the years. him right here. He's just like a young buck, like maybe one scar on his forehead. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we have the FBI. Little Guido defe- defeats. Anaphans de Norte. That's from the AAA uh, agreement with WWF. They had an agreement. 
they had the show Super Astros, and they would put stars on ECW and WWF television. Oh, really? Didn't Interesting. Okay. Yes. I didn't know that. And Tifas del Norte okay. loses to Little Guido. Yeah. This wasn't a bad little match. I mean, it wasn't, you know. It was okay. Yeah, it was all right, you know. But I didn't understand the whole... Uh, the the FBI you know breakup at the end we were talking we were just talking neither about neither did I Rich and they tried to explain it on uh, commentary as well um, it was Tommy Rich and Tracy Smothers coming out fighting against Big Sal and Little Guido but it made no sense they had no the commentary was struggling with telling us the story maybe maybe Rich and uh, Floyd were on their way out and they kind of had to do you know. Paulie wanted to write it off. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's what we got. So, I don't know. It was just a guess. But, yeah, that that was a little perplexing. I was like, wait a minute. Why are they yeah. out and why did they break up? Oh, okay. Next. <laughs> Next match, the ECW Television Championship. I loved this match. It's so Rod I. Van Dam defeating Jerry Lynn in about 21 minutes and 18 seconds. Oh, my God. Everything yeah. about this match. Um, even the... All right. So, before the match, we have the story of Jerry Lynn. Joey Styles talks about Jerry Lynn has been in WCW. He's been in WWF. He hasn't gotten respect. And maybe he hasn't gotten respect here in ECW. But he's going to reach for the brass ring. Oh, my God. Joey Styles says in 1999... He's going to reach for the brass ring about Jerry Lynn coming up into the ranks of ECW in 1999. Yeah, the, that, that term gets thrown around a lot these days. But yeah, back in 1999, 20 years ago, it was... Uh, but it's it, the it, story yeah. of a guy that was tossed around, not respected, and looked down at throughout every league that he was in and then finally somebody was trying to put the book you know behind him yep and that's how we get this story this is like classic 101 if i'm not mistaken was lynn even scheduled for this match wasn't he like a substitute yes okay who was he who was he who was van damme supposed to face I, I I I am I am lost on my words right here, okay. but uh, we'll get back next week. Okay. But yes, this was not supposed to be it. But uh, Paul Heyman some saw something in him, and after this, it was just money on the table, man. Yeah. No, I uh, love this what match. You, yeah, what'd I, you think? I thought it was great, and um, you know, people when it comes to the RVD Jerry Lynn rivalry, people. A lot of people will always go to the Hardcore Heaven match that they would have two months after this one. And I'm not a big fan of that match. That's one of those RVD needs to get all his shit in kind of a match. This match with Lynn at Living Dangerously was evenly... Told the story. Yeah, told the story, and it was evenly matched. Like, it didn't feel like RVD was, you know, dominant, like he was in the Hardcore Heaven match. Because if you go back and watch the Hardcore Heaven match, it's a lot of RVD getting all his shit in, and it was, like, overwhelming. Like, I wouldn't say it made Jerry Lynn look less than, but I felt like, you know... For someone based off of 
what they did in this match at Living Dangerously, I thought that the Hardcore Heaven match was going to be just as evenly paced between the two of them, but it wasn't. But going back to this, this was a great match, a lot of fun spots. Um, that spot where Lynn did the leg drop onto Van Dam on the chair. Um, here's where I wanted to, wanted to mention to you. Um, when you talked about Backlund winning with an amateur wrestling hold, okay, um, there was one point where Jerry Lynn delivered a vicious German suplex to RVD and like folded him in half. The bridge was perfect, mm. and I thought that should be the finish right there. Like that would have been a good finish. Like if Lynn beat him, because it looked so convincing, and the crowd even popped pretty big for the the suplex itself. So I was. Um, I was, I, was, I was saying to myself, I was like, because we were talking about, you know, uh, I think we talked about on the guilty as charged um, commentary when, when we discussed the, uh, the super crazy Tajiri match from that pay-per-view and how uh, the finish was a, a beautifully bridged German suplex. Um, yes. This was the same case here where I was like, oh, damn, like, like, the, like I said, crowd popped for it. And I was like, damn, that, imagine like if a guy won with a German suplex. You don't see that nowadays, but, you know, it looked as it looked believable in 1999 to think that, you know, Jerry Lynn could have beat RVD with that suplex. That's just at least my yeah. take on it. No, I agree. After all these hard-headed moves, like these fly, these high-flying spots, all of a sudden the guy, like, counters you and then slams you on the back of your head yeah. and then rolls over like an O'Connor roll or yeah. a bridge, like, like we spoke of. Um, yeah, it's just a beautiful way to end a wrestling match. Um, especially with so much velocity going towards it. I will agree. I don't know what I like better. I like this match a lot. This Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn match told a great story because we got a time limit draw at one point at about 20 minutes. And the referee says, look, I'm going to award you the belt, Jerry Lynn, because I feel you won the match in a draw. Oh my God! That's like the first time that's ever happened. That's like unheard of. In, yes, that is the first time that's ever happened to me. But Jerry Lynn says no. I want five more minutes. So the referee's like, "Okay, sure, we'll go five more minutes. We go one twenty extra, and Rob Van Dam wins with the five star shooting straw, five star shooting frog splash." Um, yeah. Just like you said, just an amazing match. And um, I don't know. I'd have to watch all of their matches back to back to back to to verify what I like the most. But this one was incredible for storytelling, dynamics, um, just the counter, the reversals, everything going into it. Yeah, there was a uh, it, it was top to bottom it was action-packed and i i certainly enjoyed it and there was a it was a good amount of time it wasn't too much it wasn't too little did it feel longer to you it felt really long to me no it didn't i will say that the, if okay. you go back and watch the hardcore heaven match that they have that match felt long to me and i think that's okay. another reason why i don't particularly care for that match when people talk rvd and jerry lynn it's like oh ecw hardcore heaven 1999 and, you know, I'm like, no, ECW living dangerously 1999, especially the spot with the DDT when yes. they, like, anybody bounces uh, RVD up, like. does not break through a table, which he should. So Jerry Lynn gives him a spinning 
uh, DDT from the top rope to the outside onto a table. RVD does not break the table. He just lands head first, and they bridge and yeah. break onto the outside while the table stands still. Just a dangerous-looking spot. Oh, yeah, it, it certainly was. And like I said, um, action-packed from beginning to end. Uh, I would dare say match of the night right there. Yes, was those agreed. Two. Agreed. Um, let's move on with the card. New Jack defeats Mustafa in about 10 minutes. Um, it's a long story here. Mustafa had paid off the Dudley boys to get rid of Public Enemy to ultimately get rid of New Jack so that he could be the last gangsta standing, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, so they ultimately battled off. But the one thing I liked about Mustafa was the bandana around the nose um, that really gave away, like, not gave away, but that's a good way to hide who you are or, like, give fear or incite fear into a character of what you are. Hide your nose or your facial expressions uh-huh. um yeah but mm, this was just a like bash them smash them uh trash them match where they bash each other in the heads with trash can lids and all that and then new jack jumped off the fucking balcony onto mustafa through two ch- tables mind you and as he does that, one of the tables hits the back uh, or hits the front leg of New Jack's thigh and he screams to the security, I broke my leg. And they bring him to the ring later. So he finishes this with a broken leg, mind you, because the table smashed out and uh, cracked his femur in half. So they roll him and Mustafa into the ring. And he finishes it, and then he gets beat up by 3D afterwards. New Jack. Oh, my God. Later. Yeah, it, it was it, it, a New Jack match. It is what it is. You know, it's a, there's, I didn't really care for it. Yeah, but did you see the spot where he broke his leg? Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. between that and the table spot, like, but off the balcony, like, that was it right there, you know? And, and the other thing about that match, too, is that, like, we brought up the music earlier, like, you know, back in 1999, in, in, in the heyday, New Jack used to come out to um, Natural Born Killers. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the, the song had this, like, very, like, thuggish kind of vibe to his character that, like, helped with the presentation of when he would come out and beat guys up because the music would play throughout the whole thing. They had some weird, like, hip-hop porno mix that they had in the, the ghetto on the WWE Tell Network. In the, in the ghetto. Oh, yeah. man, it, it was so bad. I was like, all right, I got to fast-forward this shit. Like, it was brutal. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, New Jack wins that. Moving on, the Dudley boys are still in the ring, and they challenge any tag team to come out. It's Spike Dudley and Nova that come out to challenge them. They get to victory because, guess what? Sid fucking Vicious comes out. Now that and, was cool. Yeah, choke slams Bubba Ray Dudley and Devon Dudley, and Spike Dudley picks up the pinfall. That was the only cool part about the match. 
Yeah, when he came out, and it's funny too, like what they were what they were bleeping out. Like when Sid came out, he dropped a couple of f bombs, and it was bleeped oh. on the network. But Bubba's on the mic, and he was like, he was like, "You think you're a fucking you're psycho, a faggot?" Yeah, yeah. We, yeah you, you called him a you e- curly haired faggot. I was like, "What are you?" Do-? I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like for real? Like I get it. Was you know back then in 1999, it was different, and you know we don't condone that kind of language whatsoever, but. Um, I couldn't believe they left that out. You know what I mean? That yeah. they didn't that they didn't bleep that out. But Sid dropped two f bombs and it was uncalled for. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was really surprised by that. But the but the pop Sid got and you know um, his involvement like was very cool. I've I've always been a big Sid guy. He was so money. Like he should have done so much more um, yeah. with his career. And you know, seeing him in ECW in that kind of a role, it was pretty cool. But, yeah, that, that was the best part of the whole thing was his involvement with yeah. the Dudleys. We've talked about this plenty. Uh, we love this era of C- Sid in ECW. Um, he leaves shortly, right, to go to e- to WCW, correct? Um, yeah, I believe I want to say it was like summer of summer of 99 i want to say it was june he debuted at the great american bash in the main event against so Savage after and... softball league is done i'll yep. be with you you yeah. see once i'll sign this contract after my goddamn softball league is done <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, moving on with this card for Living Dangerously 1999 for ECW. Shane Douglas and Tommy Dreamer defeat Just Incredible and Lance Storm. Wow. 20 minutes. This is a long story here with Shane Douglas always turning on Tommy Dreamer and Tommy Dreamer being the ECW home fan um, and finally joining with Shane Douglas to go against this new formation of Just Incredible and Lance Storm. What did you think of this one? I forgot that they had the, about this storyline because I remember going back now and trying to remember. I remember um, at the time, like, you know, I thought it was legit that Shane Douglas was retiring. The way that it was presented with Francine was bawling her eyes out, and he's got it. He's holding his boots in the ring, and he looked like he was crying. And the crowd was like, "Please don't go!" And it was just so well done. And then when the Impact players got involved, and they like caned, you know, incredible caned Francine in the head, then kicked her. Just oh, the they, whole vi- they hit her in the. Th- face yeah in the face and the whole the whole video package like you know telling this story about you know douglas and dreamer and them forming a team against these two was so well done i was like oh i can't wait to watch the match and the match was the longest 20 minutes i i spent watching a wrestling match in quite some time and it wasn't that good in my opinion it was very sloppy at times slow plotting yeah i was like oh my god like this like that to me like after watching that video you know you should have you should have seen we should have gotten like a more intense kind of match and it didn't feel that way it just felt like a a standard tag match that was like slow and clunky and plotting at times that just you know i i didn't like the match at all i I didn't like the match at all but the video package and the the angle leading up to it unbelievable stuff like for francine to cry like that like as a kid in 1999 i thought douglas was leaving 
you know, and he was going to go to either WWF or WCW or really retire. Like, I really thought that. That's that's how good of a performer him and Francine were when they were doing that, you know, that interview in the middle of the ring. But the match pff, sucked. Yeah. No, it was long. It was way too long. Um, like you said, like we talked about the Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn match went long, but the Super Crazy and Jerry match could have used this justice for like the 10 minutes that were added on to this match could have been added on to that match. Yeah. Oh, I agree. 100%. Yeah, it was a long story here. It This is where like I, I became accustomed to ECW as a fan and I was watching their their TV more, but I was not a Shane Douglas guy ever. Um, I respected the guy, but I never saw anything credible as far as like uh, main event status. I I actually was like just incredible. That dude's the man. <laughs> yeah, well, he was pretty edgy back at that time in the ECW in nineteen ninety nine. And we'll, yeah, we will get to that. And, to the days to come and marking out the days we will talk about that infamous run in 2000 that he had but uh and 1999 here this is great i think ecw all right just incredible and steve carino are the two top guys that they built through 1999 to to 2001 and they are the best guys that they built i think um yeah just they, the story going through yeah, no, I would I would have to agree with you. They made the most of what they had with Credible and Carino, and unfortunately, you know, the the the, the final original ECW show that took place was Guilty as Charged, two thousand and one, and that show ended with Carino and Credible, you know, forming as the new Impact players, and um, they didn't obviously get to do anything with them, um, you know, because WWE would end up buying or you know owning ecw yeah. at some point but um you know just incredible he lives about like a half hour from me wow yeah he's um he's had some troubles um you know if you he will in his personal home. life yeah he's uh he's dealt with some uh s some issues some personal issues uh substance abuse in and out of jail i know that um it's been in the, in the local newspaper so he was locked up in a uh, a correctional facility for quite some time with uh, restraining orders and uh, you know different court dates and things like that. So um, you know there's a documentary that's coming out um, that a local filmmaker in Connecticut is is doing on him. So um, you know hopefully the guy gets to turn his life around. Um, I met him once or twice um, and he seemed like an okay guy, but um, probably not in the best you know right frame of mind. Or in the best state of mind, I should say, at the time when I met him. But um, talented performer and um, certainly one of those guys from, like you said, from ECW. He was him and Carino were probably the two best homegrown talents that were built very well in the last two years of that company's existence. Agreed. I think they could have been the next step up, um, or the new faces of ECW if they weren't the faces of ECW for me. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people that like when we got the ECW video game, those were the two top guys on that roster that they yep. had. Um, like you said, PJ Polacco, he's had a lot of problems, but I will always respect that work as just incredible 
and Steve Carino. These stories that they go through throughout the next until the end of ECW, like you say, it's some of the best wrestling storylines for a character to go through, um, especially Steve Carino. He gets on this like I'm the newcomer, I'm the next guy, I'm the next face. I am uh, your new uh, Rob Van Dam slash Shawn Michaels, but I turn into the old school thriving off of the old school feel and vibe. And I've, I feud with dusty roads yep. um, oh, yeah. and just incredible being like this guy. That's a shit eating. Like it's just the stories are incredible. Uh, not to be pun heavy on that, but yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. he's just the guy that he wanted everything. And then all of a sudden he gets to the top and he has to defend it as hard as he can with, this group that he's built while turning on Lance Storm, the guy that built it for him. Yeah. Um, just, ah, man, just great stuff there with ECW towards the tail end. This is my favorite period of ECW, if you can't tell. Mm, well, yeah, no, I could tell by the passion in your voice, that's for sure. Uh, let's go to the main event. Passionate about this one. TKO defeating Taz defeating Sabu. Taz defeating Sabu via TKO in 18 minutes and 28 seconds. Wow. It's the FTW championship against the ECW championship. These guys have a long history since about 1995. Since I've told you the story that they've tag teamed together, gone against the ranks of everybody, then they feuded, then they broke each other's necks, and then they feuded again. And then that was the first ECW pay-per-view ever headlined by guys who were not the champion. It was the main feud going forward, Taz and Sabu. Man, incredible stuff. Yeah, the storied history that the two of them have, um, you know, it's uh, it's very well documented. Uh, this match was good. It was a lot of fun. Um, these guys were very physical. Uh, they'd worked with each other before, so... Um, you know, I, I, I was uh, I was thoroughly uh, entertained by this match, and uh, I was surprised though at the finish at the end, um, when uh, you know Taz made him tap out. The crowd didn't really like the finish, no. um, and I was surprised because Taz was Taz was popular amongst the ECW I audience. Think it, it was because of the tap out though they wanted a pinfall. Yeah. But Sabu didn't tap. He just he his his arm dropped three times, and that was the end of it. But yep. I don't know. I don't know what it was about the. I mean, maybe it was the finish. I don't know. But they start throwing stuff in the ring, and they were booing. And I'm just kind of curious, maybe if it had something to do with, um, you know, Taz a year prior, headlined that same pay per view in that same building against Bam Bam Bigelow, where they did that spot where they both fell through the ring. So I wonder if that crowd, you know had some hard feelings towards Taz um, a year later, but I was kind of surprised at the, their reaction at the end because, you know, this was like a big moment for the Taz and Sabu rivalry because they had had such a long, you know, windy road against each other, teaming with each other, going all the way back to 1995. This was for the big title, the heavyweight championship. And like I said, I just felt... 
there's something about that something about that finish or something that took place that just like had the audience like a turn on taz you know they had it it's was weird it, yeah it felt very weird and then even at the end like i think like the whole you know the spot at the end with the microphone where he was you know, he cut the promo and he shook sabu's hand i think taz was trying to get the audience back um to try and like leave you know the the show on a on a high note you know with the whole i respect you and he shook his hand and did all that nonsense uh but no, yeah. i agree and i'm not sure why the fans shit on him maybe because they knew taz as this like tasmanian devil wrestler for so long and sebu was a guy who had been in wcw just as well as shane douglas like you look at these guys that had been their champion and that were like they solidified as their champion they were former champions or they did good work in other feds uh, you know going back to terry funk sabu mm-hmm. um shane douglas as well as sandman you got to remember sandman was an early ecw champion before he was the sandman gimmick that we know yep yeah it's very yeah. very very different world you so know, it, you know what it reminds me to, a lot of they're trying I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to cut you off you know what it reminds me a lot of it reminds me a lot of what fans are like today when they want to see someone move up the card and they finally get mm-hmm. to that point and then they fucking turn on them yes like it's like it's exactly a, it's, that, that's I think that's what that that was with that audience it's like they I were agree. so they were so behind Taz to become the champion he gets the belt and then he faces Sabu his 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 greatest rival in ECW and wins and then they turn on him at the end I was like I just felt you know it, it's just typical of wrestling fans you know and it, and that same that 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 same sentiment occurs in current day wrestling no, it really does. And I think um, ECW struggle with that a lot. And a lot of smaller feds do that a lot because they have a top guy that's going to be their champion and not everybody agrees on it. Um, and then you get a larger reaction from that smaller crowd, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, I think this is a great time to... Yeah, this is like perfect storytelling for a federation. I think ECW is one of the greatest wrestling federations, in my opinion, from the history that they have on the network from early 1991 until 2001. That's 10 years of the best product that you will ever get from a promotion that is not sanctioned by like you know uh, cable television or anything like that they're doing their own thing here and there um they'll follow the ebbs and flows of you know what'll keep them in line but uh it's one of the craziest tailwind stories you'll ever follow from beginning to end honestly no, I, I would agree with you. There's certainly no story like the existence of Extreme Championship Wrestling, and I don't think there ever will be one again like like ECW. No, I agree. And this is like one of the pinnacle moments, too. This is where I really remember 8th or ninth grade, I was like, man, I'm going to stay home Friday nights and watch fucking ECW television on Friday nights at 8 o'clock at night on TNN. Like, rather than hang out with my friends, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It was such a good product at that time. 
Yeah, it was. Um, and no, I was, you're, I was you're so right. sad that they were gone within the next two years. But yeah. Yeah, I was. I was either if I wasn't watching it on Friday nights, I was out with my buddies. But I made sure that it was on tape at some point because I taped everything. I, I I taped I taped Shotgun Saturday Night. You know what I mean? I taped all the bullshit. Right. I taped That's everything because awesome, I tried to create my own WWE network. Um, but the, the, those VHS tapes are long gone now. Now I don't have to worry about you know stocking my shelves with with, with tapes but uh yeah no this has been a lot of fun we uh, this is a, this is an interesting stroll down memory lane this week and uh you know hopefully uh you know all of our loyal listeners have uh have their they're marking out the day's fix between march 14th and march 21st in the history of pro wrestling yeah hopefully um yeah you get that back episode and then get this new one march 21st the last day here i'm gonna say because it's notable for me because we talked about it on the program earlier. We spoke of them Sunday, March 21st, 1999 in Mississippi. They had a house show for WCW. These are rare that the cards that we get are going to be listed. Uh, Scott Norton defeats Jerry Flynn. Booker T defeats Brian Adams. And then in the main event, Rick Steiner defeats Scott Steiner. Wow. Wow. 1999. Well, yeah. That's WCW, what you're getting there. I mean, WCW's house show. That's a C-Town show. Well, every town that they ran, like, the cards were represented like it was a C-Town show because of the, 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 the way talent's deals were structured. And they were never a big live event business to begin with. They were very television-based. So, um, which is sad, too, because, you know, the, 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 the depth that they had on their roster, they could have ran you know an a b and a c town and with all the guys that they had on their roster they could have done some pretty big business from a live event standpoint but unfortunately they did not do that so um but that that's interesting rick and scott headlining in the main event in 1999 and rick going over on the house show so keep the fans happy let them go home the big dog wins (laughs) and then they do some math that you can't explain or uh, get the answers for after. Oh my God! I'm just kidding, <laughs> but you know you can do the math yourself. God yeah. Damn it. Um, go on YouTube so, and let the math do it for you. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's about it for the day. Unless you got something else. No, man. I think we're good. Um, would you like? Would you like a, a, a preview of what's to come for next week? Because I think you're going to be. Do it. March twenty eighth. March 28th in the world of professional wrestling. Next week, we got a couple of birthdays as we're going to be celebrating the birthdays of the late Mr. Perfect and Umaga. We will also be covering WrestleMania 15, uh, infamous for the first Austin Rock WrestleMania trilogy of their WrestleMania trilogy. And just added to the WWE Network, which I'm in the middle of watching right now. This is a nice little hidden gem. You can find it in the hidden gem section. Uh, the March to WrestleMania 9 special, which was highlighted with Randy Savage challenging Yokozuna and The Undertaker wrestling Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, it's a two-hour special on the WWE Network. It's under the hidden gems. March to WrestleMania 9 from March the 28th, 1993. It was we kind of spoke about that briefly, right? on this episode or on this show on this show we kind of talked about it i believe um because there was a march to survivor series 
yeah, we recapped one of those, like, or I think it was a WrestleMania. I forget which one. But yeah, we recapped one of those, like, special, uh, you know, week before pay-per-view kind of um, deals that they had there. The Sunday, they used to call them, like, the Sunday Night Slam or the March to WrestleMania or the Countdown to SummerSlam or something like that. They used to have those, you know, um, a week prior. Hey, but that's yeah. catchy. I'll never use that again. <laughs> yeah, right. I know, right? But yeah, so we got that gun deck and all the other great stuff from, you know, NWA, World Class, WWF from 1981. Uh, yeah, so looking forward to uh, chopping it up with you next week as we get closer and closer to WrestleMania and closer yeah, and closer to the launch of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, which uh, would you like us to get, to give a, a quick rundown of what's on tap for that weekend? Dude, it's going to be action-packed. Let's do it. April All right. 4th. April 4th, WrestleMania 9. Kobe and I sit down and we give you our take on what is being talked about as the worst WrestleMania in history, WrestleMania 9. April 5th, we talk about the top 10 WrestleManias in history. Kobe's got a top 10 list. I got a top 10 list. We're going to compare, contrast, see what makes the cut, and talk about our top 10 WrestleManias in history. April the 6th, Saturday morning, Gaijin Wrestling Radio. I'm going to be making my debut on Gaijin Wrestling Radio with Kobe as we're going to review NXT TakeOver um, with the NXT Championship. Uh, now a... Uh, or is, it's going to be a two out of three falls match between Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole, baby. Um, that should be a lot of fun, and we're going to recap that. And then Sunday, WrestleMania Sunday, um, kicking out at two is going to have a very special bonus watch party of one of my favorite WrestleMania matches of all time. Not going to give you the, not going to you know fill you in just yet, but be on the lookout for that. As well as Kobe and myself, we're going to recap the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony, maybe even the G1 Supercard, and then we're going to give us give us some quick picks on the upcoming WrestleMania event in anticipation for that event later in the evening. So be on the lookout for all of that WrestleMania weekend starting April the 4th from the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network available on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, and any other podcast platform available. Yes, indeed. I couldn't set it any better myself, Dave. As always, I love joining you every Throwback Thursday for Market Out Days, and we will be back March 28th. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Like, share, rate, review, subscribe. It helps us grow. Thank you very much. Dave, I will catch you next week, brother. All right, man. Be good. Catch you next week.